river's full of hope. I've got the urge to walk the prairie and chase the antelope. Aspen's gold on snow-capped peaks, the elk call me away. I can't keep my mind on working on this fine September day. I've got Nimrod neurosis, longbows on the brain. I'm a Trackless podcast. Gentlemen, what is up? 2021. I think everybody's pretty happy to get get out of 2020. We'll see what uh, what this year has in store. Yeah, it was uh, it was an event pulling for sure. Um, we got uh, Bob Borland and Carson Brown, myself here, James Orr. Glad to be back on here. Um, why don't we start with you, Carson? Once you tell us, uh, I know you've got some you got some some stories for us, right? Yeah, some some announcements. Maybe. Oh, yeah. It's just uh, you called me up, said uh, let's do a hunt and recap, and I thought to myself, is one of the more uneventful uh, hunting seasons for me, and at least uh, a few other guys in my close circle. Uh, just a rough year all around. Uh, you know, I think it was. Uh, a big part of that was the expectations were really high with a couple, uh, with a new trad elk hunt. I know James, you had that tag. I had that tag. Brother Chad had that tag and, uh, expectations yeah. were super high. Um, I guess that's, I think I we, that's it I me. think we got, like, really? I, mean, I think we got together. Sorry about cutting you off there, Carson. I think we got together no, no, before no. the well, elk hunt. What's that? Oh, I said, sorry for cutting well, you off. I think we got, we got together before the elk hunt. There, we had mule deer hunting first, right? Yeah, yeah, but I think, yeah, and I, I had high expectations for that. You know, that was the first year Chad and I, I don't know that Chad had ever hunted trout creeks. We camped there as kids. Um, that was that was kind of our summer vacation. Dad would take us down there to scout and haul the whole family down there. So we did that a Oh, a couple, three years, and I got to hunt it once when I was just old enough to bow hunt, 14, 15, and uh, hadn't been back there since. I'm now 39, so uh, high expectations for that. And Well, James, you were there, too, and, and yeah, so the three of us, Chad, yourself, and, and I, we, uh, <laughs> we're pretty excited going into it, and boy, uh Oh, uh, different story heading out of those hills, but uh, that's just how it goes sometimes. It was like tactical combat bow hunting. Yeah, yeah. The 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 pressure. I didn't I didn't anticipate the number of hunters there. None of us did, and uh, we I think we you know looking back, we we kind of figured out why it was a little perfect storm of uh, there's some regulation changes coming up, and uh, all the guys that normally held that pocket in their tag as a you know, drawing it on their second choice or even third choice, unlimited tags, you know, that changed and then uh, went to 300 tags and then it was going to go to 100 tags and mule deer is getting controlled across the board next year. All these things were, were coming about and it was like all 300 tag holders were there and it's really not that big an area. Um, it, it's, uh, yeah, it's a big open country and uh, it's, it's bought and stocking mule deers and, uh, there's just a lot of a lot of guys in there, and uh, made for some a lot of guys on four wheelers. Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah, just different different mindset about, uh, uh, yeah, not everybody's on the same page with etiquette there. Uh, several different rule books floating around, I guess. Um, but, yeah, some stories I'm sure we could get into later this podcast. But, uh, yeah, yeah, I think you were hinting at earlier. You said uh, I had an announcement. Um, yep, Bob, Marshall, and I, so Bob and I, had been operating uh, Sherwood Shafts as partners for the last year and a half since uh, Steve had, had left to work full-time with his son Riley and Archer Path. Uh, just been Bob and I, and uh, the plan all along was for me to eventually um, take the reins over uh, once Bob was ready to retire, and that, that time came, and so we just... Uh, that just became official here this last week, and so... I'm excited about the opportunities and challenges there and uh, already missing Bob, but uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm excited. So, so, Carson, so you're the uh, sole, sole owner, sole proprietor to Sherwood Chaff. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah it's, uh, technically single member LLC, but uh, <laughs> can we, can we call you, can we still call you the CEO? Yeah, he called. I like operator, uh, manager. Okay, perfect. Yeah. No, it's, uh, it's, it's, I'm excited. It's, uh, and I don't know that I'm gonna, I, I guess the plan is to just work my butt off the next year or two and then, uh, maybe bring in a partner, uh, if it continues to grow as it has that will be necessary. And so I'm just gonna, yeah, run it, run it how I want for the time being, and then uh, bring on a, a partner here at some point. So, awesome, man. Well, we know you're going to keep making shafts. Just hopefully, you can make them fast enough. Yeah, yeah. There's a, there's definitely like I could foresee a little bottleneck ahead, and I'm a little nervous, but uh, I think I think uh, I'm just going to be, uh, yeah, literally. Uh, swinging a hammer and, and uh, splitting away and getting a lot of wood put up uh, alongside filling orders here in the next month. And, uh, yeah, it would be nice to have some wood put up. I'll feel a little better then when we get some more, more glitches up. So I hope you can find some more of that 80-85 spined wood. Uh, yeah, yeah, you, me, and, and uh, a lot of other guys with a 29-inch drawer are hoping that. Um, yeah, yeah, that's been... Uh, yeah, we could go into that. We can go on a lot of little different tangents on that, but uh, how, no how is business going? Uh, are are wood arrows getting? Uh, you know, with COVID, was there an increase with people tinkering and stuck at home? I mean, what what was the what are things looking like over there? Yeah, so just looking back at this last year, we'll look back um, when the lockdowns were first being uh, implemented in a number of states, we saw a huge spike in business, uh, lots of orders, busiest month we've ever had by far uh, in April. And that, that was kind of unexpected. You know, we didn't know what to expect. This is all new. Never been through a pandemic before. <laughs> but I think it was a combination of uh, a lot of our longtime customers being um, maybe at home with a little more time on their hands than they anticipated. And then there's, of course, there's a little bit of extra spending money that came along at some point. And, uh, 
and then also uh, a lot of new new guys. I think getting into wood aeroshafts. Um, that's just kind of been continual, fairly steady. You know, just a lot of guys deciding to dip their toes in, see what wood aeroshafts are all about. Um, maybe after being into traditional archery for a few years. Uh, sure, sure. This uh, podcast has had a lot to do with that. So thank you guys. Um, oh, traditional yeah. guys are just hoarders. That's all. What's that? I hoarders, yeah. guys are or, just or hoarders. Or just ammo hoarding thing. Yeah, everybody's just hoarding ammo. Yeah. It could be that. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Economic collapse. Everybody needs a, little, a few more arrow shafts when, when the times are uncertain, right? Yeah, the zombie apocalypse, man. <laughs> oh, for sure. So, uh, pretty cheap, reusable ammo. So you're, you're, uh, making sawdust all by yourself nowadays, huh? You, is it lonely in there? Well, no, no. Uh, you know, it's, I don't want to lead on like I'm just doing everything myself. I've got, uh, you know, kind of an army of our local, uh, archery guys, buddies, Andy's out of the shop, lending in the hand. Uh, um, he always needs shafts and, and, uh, he had a free day, so he wanted to come down and help out. And uh, you guys know Tyler, we also, long time. We also print mine. We also refer to that as cherry picking, Carson. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I got off easy. Uh, he needed a bunch of thirty-five forties and forty forty-fives, and and uh, and uh, happened to be a lot of those uh, accumulated in the shop from uh, one one big log. We got some, gosh, a lolly log, some. Uh, Six or seven years ago, just the most beautiful straight grain fur uh, that I think any of us had seen at that time. And it was all like call, 40, What did 40 you call it? Under. Oh, Lolly. It's named name? after, uh, well, well, we named after the place name, you know, where we got it, Olali Creek and Olali Ridge up in McKenzie. But it was, it was an enormous tree, five foot diameter plus at the base, and it was a windfall, and it just, it just, uh, I think, had nice, lush, lush little conditions and a little protected area, and didn't have to put on the strongest of wood, and kind of sat under its own weight and girth, and and yeah, made a bunch of forty, forty fives, thirty five forties. How how Lots soul how kind of soul crushing is that when you spend all that time and you yeah. find what you think is perfect, and it's a perfect tree, but it makes kids arrows. <laughs> Yep, yep. Oh, thanks for rubbing it in. <laughs> uh, yeah, it definitely. Uh, you just look like, well, maybe that'll happen with seventy. Maybe we'll find that tree, but it'll all be seventy-five A's, eighty-eighty-five, and that hasn't happened. It'd be like packing a. It'd be like packing an elk out of the backcountry to find out it was just beef. Yeah, <laughs> yeah something like that. Yeah. Have you done that? <laughs> No, no, I've never shot beef in the backcountry. You shooting after <laughs> legal light hours? <laughs> no, 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 not shooting beef in the backcountry. Although I've been walking on the last day of season and had a had a look at some of those beef. Stop, might make my oh yeah, it was one of those one of those years where you'd take a little longer look at them, huh? <laughs> uh, well, uh, that, that sums up my whole season. That's I don't, I don't even need to talk about my season. We just summed it up. Oh, yeah, we, 
Bob, you had some success down in the on the Desert Elk again. Yeah, yeah. Um, how was the the late hunt? You started talking about your uh, the North Fork hunt, you guys, but you never never finished off how it was. I feel like it's uh, hard to sum up. I don't know. It was it was just different than expected. Uh, I don't know. Do we want to get into that now? Yes. Right, yeah, let's get into it. So you don't, you t- tell them like, that you know, all the like way. how you, yeah, you showed My up uh, first. You're the first one to show up to the hunt too. You got there a few days before me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So thinking back, uh, so just for listeners, this tag, uh, is, it was new. It was something we were working for. Some, something, um, you know, a, a trad opportunity, something to recognize the, the challenges hunting with longbone recurve and and uh they odfw gave us this five-day uh extension hunt uh for one of our units there in eastern oregon uh in, in, in a will in a wilderness yeah. a, wil- a wilderness only yeah yeah that was right it, it was uh the tag was for that wilderness area only uh within that unit and uh yeah. pretty sizable area for those 55 tags that were allotted um you know not a lot of guys, plenty of area to spread out. So right, that right there was exciting. Um, you know, it's like, okay, here we're hunting elk just one week after general season. So this is going to be roughly, you know, the last or uh, the first week of October. And, and so that's pretty exciting, right? You're like, gosh, what is elk hunting going to be like with only 50, you know, shoot, 55 tags. So maybe there's, we're figuring maybe there's only going to be like 40 guys actually in the over there, 45 guys, you know, maybe. Uh, this, this could just and be a couple of you know, your brothers. Yeah. So me and my brothers, two, two younger brothers, Chase, Chad, we put in this party and drew and, uh, and, and you drew and you knew a couple other guys that drew. Um, and so you could hunt the general season with this tag, uh, in any, well, any of the general units in Oregon with this tag, but, uh, I decided to go over there. And, and just show up a few days early uh, before our extension hunt, you know, and, and take this five-day extension and turn it into a 10-day hunt. So I got over there like so, Tuesday night. So to make it clear, yeah. like, our general season ends and then this extension begins. So our, our we decided we'd go hunt several days of the ending of the season. And then as everybody, all the general archery hunters leave, we get five extra days in this wilderness. Yes. Just make it yep. clear. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And, and and so that's like a great opportunity. Right. And, and right. that's where I, I had talked to some guys over in that area who they, this was before they established this new hunt. Um, and they just, we just happened to be BS and, you know, and, and, uh, talking about elk cutting, you know, this is during the season. And they said the previous year they hung out and continued to camp a week after season. And they said it was just insane. You know, they said the elk were just going nuts. You know, everybody left and all of a sudden there was just bull chasing cows down the, down the gravel roads, you know, painted this picture of like, you know, what everybody wishes elk hunting was like. And, uh, and so that, that little seed was in, you know, I've been planted in my mind and, and I'm just, you know, thinking, oh man, it's just going to be amazing once all that pressure lets off. Cause it's a, it's a hard hit unit during the general season. It sees a lot of traffic, you know, um, there, there's, there's good number of elk in there and, and it's, it's 
kind of rough country. Um, but there's a lot of guys that get after it. And, and there's also a lot of guys that kind of stick to the roads, but, uh, it, it sees a lot of pressure. And so I was really excited to see what this place looks like, um, without that pressure, you know, in this extension hunt. So anyway, I get over there Tuesday night and, uh, I get out, I've got my van set up to just sleep in the back and, and, uh, it's a long drive and I get over there till 10 or 11 and, and out stretching my legs. And this is that trailhead parking area and there's a couple other trucks and I'm just stretching my legs and breathing in the fresh air and I hear this bull sound off just 150 yards down opposite the trailhead on the other side of the road down in, in this little uh, draw. It's like, oh, yes, we're I'm in elk country. Here they are. That's uh, Yeah, I was excited. And so I went to bed with the window or, you know, the door open, the van, the tailgate open, just listening to that bull off and on all night. And then about a half an hour before light as I'm like, and all all the there's just trucks it's just traffic up and down this road ripping and roaring everybody's heading out of this one campground that's just up the road and they're all heading out and uh so getting a little discouraged hadn't heard that bull for a long time guys are pulling in but they're all heading up that trailhead the opposite way and uh so i just kind of slowly got ready just just seeing which way guys were going as they pulled in and talked to a guy, and luckily that bull never sounded off while I was talking to him. And then he went on his way. It's like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go after him. He's still there. He's just like 150 yards down on the other side of this road. And it's early in the morning, and you know, it wind is drawn down this little draw right from the parking area, right down through the, where this bull is. But uh, it's just this teeny little ridge, and. Snuck down around the bottom, you know, the other side of that, came down below him and started working my way up carefully up through the little, you know, there, there was a little creek in the bottom of this draw. And, and uh, it's just a tight little thing. And I got up close to where I'd heard that bull from, and it, it gets pretty thick with uh, willows. And then I just start seeing these, you know, these neon signposts and that early light, you know, just, just fresh rubs all over in those alders. And, you know, the alder rubs are just bright orange and, just getting excited, you know, first morning over there and uh, just below this bull. And then he sounds off and I'm, you know, 70 or 80 yards below him. And I proceeded to be stupid and feel like I had to make some sort of an elk sound. And just, instead of just sneaking along, I had to like, you know, blow on something. So I grabbed my little calf call and, and it, it just got quiet. <laughs> and, I, I think part of the reason I did that is because I had reached a point where I, you know how elk are, they'll hold up in a place where they feel safe. Right. And I'm starting to figure out why this bull feels safe right next to the road, next to the trailhead. It's just a, a mess of a thicket to approach him from down below. And that's where I'm at. Like, I'm like, I, I just walked up this nice open grassy area and this little Creek bottom and all of a sudden it hits these willows and it's just thick on either side and there's no moving or sneaking through there without making a bunch of noise. So in my mind, I've got to, like, make an elk sound before I can, like, make some noise moving through the brush, right? But just blowing on that little calf call, little clamshell-style rubber band thing, um, I, I do that, and it just, it just, you know, didn't hear anything for a little bit after that, and I'm just trying to figure out what to do. And then I, all of a sudden, I hear him up on the ridge side, and he's circling around, moving down the, the other ridge, you know, opposite of where I approached. 
and heading down. And it's like, ah, crap. And so I was checking the wind, trying to figure out what to do. And anyway, I moved up the edge of that ridge and heard some cows calling up there. So, you know, it's any elk tag. And so I thought I might have a chance at those cows and got close. We were real close, but it's really brushy. And kind of the standoff through the brush, you know, I hear them snapping lens and they weren't, kept thinking they were gone. And then I'd catch a little movement or hear something, but they knew something was up. They didn't, you know, they, they were very cautious and eventually they, they must have got wind and, uh, they took off out of there pretty fast. And, uh, yeah, anyway, I played around with that bowl for a little bit, but never got close, no closer than that, maybe 780 yards that I was initially and uh but that was the first morning i'm thinking all oh, this is gonna be great you know it's still general season there's guys everywhere and i'm just you know there's elk there's elk, there's bulls in here it can happen <laughs> and uh anyway that's i i don't i could just keep going uh i don't want to do day by day but uh you you showed up that next night right yeah i, I you it wasn't you, cool just you like you wednesday night, just right? like you painted the picture i i uh pull into the um trailhead um, and there's Carson's van. It's raining. His door's open. Uh, it's like three in the morning. And I wake Carson and up. James and pulls up with his headlights right into my bed, right into my eyes, like pulls right up. I'm like, who is this jerk? And then and yeah. James gets out of his truck. Heard that. And you start, or, you, start, you, you start to tell me about this bull that was bugled the night before and he's bugling tonight. And uh, right as you say that, that bull cuts off and he's bugling down there and you're like kind of excited and right. kind of setting camp up. Yeah. Yeah. And it seemed like, uh, my, uh, expectations were high too, but man, there were so many people that, I mean, I, I, I drove around that next morning and there was just people stacked on top of people everywhere. The camps were just seemed bigger than normal. I was, I was pretty discouraged right, right away. Yeah, there was a lot of traffic up and down that. That's one of the main travel roads to get around in that unit. And uh, this this trailhead that I was interested in for a couple of years and hadn't really checked out um, was uh, yeah, it was I, I was blown away by how much traffic there was. But uh, was still you know hopeful you know here here there's this bowl that nobody seemed to know about right there and uh, and uh, so yeah, well, you and I talk for a little bit that night and then you decide you, you slept there that night right set up yeah i slept pop there up. that night yeah and i just went and took off that kind morning, of did that next morning that next morning i just drove around and did some inventory of uh who was at what trailhead how many people what people were saying you know as the season was you know we were coming into the fourth the last four days of season before our extension and um i met up with uh my buddies and uh you know, me and my buddy John Sattler were uh, going in for uh, a backpack hunt, and then I ran back into you. I think we were only a mile behind the, the trailhead when we ran when we ran into you again. Yeah, that was uh, that was that day, huh? That's next day. Because yeah, I, 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 that that that, yeah, that night. Yeah, yeah. So that that was where I went up that trail. I ended up um, going up that trailhead that that I've been wanting to go up that canyon, and then ended up hearing a bull up on the hillside. I ended up going up with another guy, younger guy with compound. We 
ran into each other going up the trail after BS and at the trailhead. And I had just heard a bull, so I let him in on it, and we just sat there for a little bit, and he sounded off, and we listened. So, never heard him again. I, no, I'm going to go that way if you're so, going to go that way, and so I went up after this bull on the hillside. Did you find that the hunt changed was the, as the season ended and our extension began? It, um, you know, what was your experience with that? Because obviously that last four days of season was – we had a big storm came in. I know that I got held up in the back country in my little tent for like 20 hours while it was snowing and sleeting and hailing and doing everything under the, um, what was yeah, your experience yeah. once, that, once the trad hunt began? I guess at that point before it began, I'm just like, I hadn't had a chance to really get in elk shape yet. Just super busy leading up to the season. So I'm like, this is great. I'm just using these first few days, like getting my legs all toned up and getting, you know, just pushing a little further each day and getting, feeling better. And, and it's all just in preparation of this magical five days that are going to happen when the pressure goes away and these elk are just going to be running around everywhere and, and uh, just run right up to us and let them shoot them, let us shoot them. And, and uh, that's kind of where my mind was at. And then, yeah, it was super wet. Uh, my brother showed up, Chase, we, we, hooked up and spent the day just covering a lot of ground and really were surprised at how, um, how we, we weren't running into a whole lot. We weren't bumping into elk for as much ground as we covered in that area. It was pretty, it was really slow day, covered a ton of ground and, uh, and it was just wet. By the end of the day, we were soaking wet and it started pouring really bad, got nasty and everybody was leaving that weekend. So it's like, oh, this is perfect. You know, it's going to be nice starting Monday when our season starts, but everybody's leaving early because of this nasty weather. I think guys had had, had a rough hunt over there um, that last week. And so as soon as that nasty rain hit there, I would say what, like well over half of the guys over there just threw in the towel and took off, right? Yeah, like, it cleared Saturday out. Morning. We saw... We saw elk right before the big storm. We had a, some bulls bugling. And then uh, me and Danny and John, Danny hunted us for a couple of days, and he didn't have the extension. But we didn't find elk again until uh, seven or eight days later. We, we didn't see an elk. We heard them, but we never saw an elk again for a, a well over a week. Wow. Wow. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, I guess that pretty much, I mean – we hiked in i met up with my other brother and the three of us hiked in and that was kind of a similar experience for us here we think you know we're just got our expectations up here and and uh and reality was way down there you know it's still elk hunting we were hearing them but they were they were we were playing it safe to begin with it felt like we had to it felt like these elk were a little shell-shocked like they they knew they knew all the tricks in the bag right you couldn't just you weren't going to go blow on a hoochie mama and call one of these guys in. Um, they kind of knew what was up and, uh, and it felt like That's- the calling game and, you know, I could always improve my calling game, but I feel like I'm, I'm not a novice and I just felt frustrated. It felt like it had no chance of working. It felt like these guys just were, these elk were so cautious with vocalizations. They, they're just going to hold their ground and let you come into them, you know, they weren't, I, I don't know. I'm sure somebody told me I was just calling wrong, but it felt like they had 
seen it all over the last four weeks, and there you weren't just going to call one of these bulls in. So it, it was it was rough to have them beat Carson, one right after camp, it, but well, you couldn't make a move on them. If if I wasn't there, I would have been the first guy to if I was listening to this, be like, ah, he just needs to work on his calling. You know, uh, I've always believed in my <laughs> calling. A little better. Put a lot of emphasis on that being my my go to tactic. But let me tell you, man, I wish we, we did the opposite. We started the hunt off going super aggressive, thinking it's peak rut. It's beyond peak rut. Like, we're going to go hard on these elk. And we figured out on the very end that these things were call shy, and we were running elk off left and right. And we started walking around on pins and needles and eggshells and started getting on elk. Um. Yeah. So that was my experience, except for we went at it the opposite. We went at it. Like we didn't see elk for a week because I think we were spooking them off. And once we stopped doing that and started tracking and still hunting and glassing, and we started uh, having different results. Yeah, I didn't have much. I don't have much to talk about. I mean, I, I like I said, we played it safe, and I think that was just born out of uh, – the three of us, me and my two younger brothers up in this one area we backpacked in and, and we were going to at least start there. We weren't sure if we were going to be there the whole time, but we wanted to, we didn't want to muddy up the waters. It's kind of a, you know, not the biggest area to spread out from where we were camped just a few miles in. And so we really wanted to just, you know, kind of go slow poking in here and there and not stir it up too much to start with, you know? And, uh, but that's when we kind of all came back after the first day, like, I don't know, man, I had a bold deed one over here, but this, this is how it played out. Like, yeah, same thing over here, same thing over there. It's like, well, crap, you know, maybe we should think about, you know, some other tactics. And so I was sitting in creek crossings, uh, you know, it's pretty dry country. And I'd try and find these north facing slopes, these steep draws where it's steep enough and there's enough windfall that they're only crossing these, little wet draws in one place and like they, you know, you tell they stop and water right there. Like they're maybe the first, you know, watering after they get up from a day bed. And so I sat on that one of those and that was kind of starting to become my strategy it was more of a, you know, we talked about this afterward, James, James, uh, David Peterson and kind of his approach, you know, that was, that was kind of where I was going without really thinking about it. Um, yeah, I got like just, that knock up under a group of bedded cows and, you know, have them slowly get up out of their beds, you know, and that, I thought something might develop there that, that never, you know, I ended up swinging around trying to catch where they're going into a meadow and they never showed up. I did have a Martin, a little Martin came on a log about across right in front of me. Maybe just, you know, I could have reached out and touched him with an arrow and that was pretty cool. I hadn't ever been that close to one of those. Yeah, it's uh, funny you mentioned David Peterson because I put my face into uh, A Man Made of Elk, uh, one of his novels, just after the season, just reflecting on elk hunting. And, you know, there's so many ways to skin a cat, and bugling used to work better for me than it does now for whatever reason. Um, I, I think it's the popularity and the areas I'm hunting are, are, you know, the hunting pressure and everybody's using the same tactic, you know, I don't know. Um, but I know that like, as I'm l- learning to be an elk hunter, 
I've been around other guys like Norm Johnson um, who subscribe to, you know, that same idea, ideology of David Peterson of just being a mountain lion per se, uh, mm-hmm. you know, keeping the, the alt calls to almost zero and really sitting on springs and wallows in the evening and, and sliding around in the dark in the mornings and, and intercepting them from feeding to bedding and, and sliding in yeah. to their yeah. bedding areas. And, and man, I, I'm almost excited about 2021 and, and a new, I've always had an elk hunting partner, you know, and tried to do this calling thing. And I'm looking forward to hunting by myself and just tracking and listening and, yeah. and sliding around. Well, uh, you ended up getting pretty close uh, or, or the closest you got. And you're, and you're in that hunt was uh, after spending the day tracking, right? Yeah. So basically the, the quick version of that is, me and John, after pounding our heads and moving camp, like I don't know how many times we moved camp, six or seven times, backpacking and trying 7,000 feet elevation and six every elevation change and just everything we could think of, we finally got on some elk and we scared them off with the calls twice, three times, three times. The evening, then the next morning, the next afternoon. And that's when we decided okay, we're done with the calls. We're not using the calls anymore. And, um, we just, we had spooked these elk and we decided we'd pick up the track and we actually tracked these elk in like dry conditions. We tracked these bulls, uh, for three hours through a burn, through the timber, down through a marsh around a meadow. And when we couldn't find, find them anymore, we got that uh, stupid bugle tube out and did a bugle and they were like 40 yards away. They just took off running. <laughs> so it, it was a learning curve for sure. Um, and it, that it was a good hunt. I, I actually, I know you guys seem pretty bummed, but reflecting on it. Yeah. The elk weren't ripping. It wasn't that it wasn't what we wanted it to be. It, they weren't on the gravel roads uh, love sick, trying to load up into your car as you were shutting the door. It wasn't, that wasn't happening. Um, but no, it was really cool to have, to have the woods to ourselves. I mean, to hunt an elk is, is with a longbow or recurve is a difficult, I mean, it's like a 5% success rate or something. I mean, it's, it's, it's difficult. And to be able to um, yeah. have an opportunity there, even if they're coming off of being really pressured, to be in the woods uh, by yourself for the most part, it's it was cool. I, I mean, I, I'll approach it differently in, in the future if I draw the tag. But uh, I'm appreciative to ODFMW for uh, uh, giving us uh, throwing a, a bone to these these uh, these dogs here. Yeah, it was, it, it did feel special to be, uh, hunting that first year it was available, you know, to be out there on that tag. It, it did. Feel, and, and I'd like I, to I point a, out experience, I guess. I'd really like to point out that, uh, we did go to one of the more popular areas in the unit. One, um, and that I think it's because it's real flat and rolly, you know, just the terrain was real nice. And, and there was a lot yeah. of elk sign there actually. 
we actually heard elks every night. We were there for two nights and the elk were keeping us up all night long. I mean, they were really cutting loose in this particular area. Um, but there was also, I think, 12 of the 55 tag holders in this area or 14. I think there's 14. And um, yeah. it was interesting because most of these guys that we met over there, they were all actually uh, uh, hunted with compound bows, but drew the tag and were hunting with their stick bows um, for this hunt. And so I just wanted to point that out that, you know, these opportunities aren't just for hardcore trad guys. There's a lot of guys out there that hunt with multi-weapons that, that, uh, that just love a, a new hunt, a new adventure, or just love the area enough. And these guys were pumped to be there. Uh, one guy was hunting with his grandpa's bow and he was always wanted to do that. And this gave him an incentive and, and a reason to practice with it and to go into the woods with it. So, you know, I thought I'd bring that up cause I thought that was kind of a, a different angle. Yeah. yeah, that's kind of what we've felt could happen, right, if if these opportunities were there. So that's great that uh, it's proven out. Well, we we also have the – we have another extension that's on the regs for this year. And, uh, yeah, my brother just, just called Dick Robertson, and he's getting a recurve. So we'll see how that goes. <laughs> but just because that's of that, awesome. course, we plan on hunting that other one, so – yeah, pretty cool. Hopefully, uh, yeah, hopefully. Yeah. Oh, I want to send a shout out to Redmond John. Uh, hope you're listening, Redmond John. Me and, uh, my buddy John, we, we, we bugled or he, we bugled each other in, in the woods. And he was super excited to meet some other trad guys. I guess he's been doing it for a long time and has never been around other guys, uh, shooting longbows and recurves. So our, it was a, a cool uh, a meeting with him in the woods, and we got went back to his camp and met his kids and, and his wife and stuff. So yeah, big shout out to him, and yeah, it was a good it was a good hunt. I enjoyed it. Well, hopefully next year if you no, guys go back, they'll cool. be screaming and running into your truck. You know, it was a weird rut yeah, here. Yeah, I'll give yeah. you guys that. Yeah, I think it felt yeah, like it, the timing could be different. Um, you know, from one year to another course, but. Uh, but the one other guy I ran into out there, it just made me think of that, James. He, a uh, real nice guy. Um, he, uh, it was funny because we ran into each other a couple days into the hunt, and he, uh, we, we both had just decided to leave our bugle tubes at camp that morning, and it was it was interesting. That it was a confirmation, you know, that we weren't just crazy. Um, that that uh, you know we both came to that same conclusion just two days in. Um, just to leave the leave the bugle tube at home and explore the other tactics. Well, well, I, I didn't figure it out until we got up into a big open base and burn, and and John called and I watched him run, and then I called and I watched him run further, and then we caught up to him and we called and they ran again, and I was just like, okay, this is yeah, this this is not this is not this is not work this is not working. Well, and then you're a good um, what, caller. You're what, one of those guys that would, that would call me in, I'm sure. Yeah, I used to really, really believe in my calls. So it's it's actually it's hard to even say these things, and it's hard to, to know that that's my game plan next year. But um, I'm actually, you know, I'm, I'm excited about it just because it's it's been a rough couple years with calling. And I guess, you know, um, if I don't find unpressured elk, um, 
they've already they've already heard heard it all. I guess I don't I don't know, but it's it doesn't work like it used to. What's what's your experience, Bob? I mean, you you're hunting less pressured elk, I suppose. Yeah, but. yeah. Well, uh, I spent a ton of money on landowner tags for my brother and I. I guess so. We weren't in the same boat as you guys, so don't be uh Asking me, figured it out. You just hunt the elk that all pressured. Yeah, well, I mean that is that is the key for sure. But but uh, I mean, my advice would be, you know, when when I was about, I think I was nineteen. I think it was the first time we were going to Montana. Um, me and my brother got Dan Evans' phone number. This was I don't. You guys probably don't know. He's a compound guy, but he's killed like thirty bulls over three fifties. Just you know, the elk, giant elk killing master. And somehow my brother got his number. I forget who. And we, so, you know, we call him, you know, my brother does all the talking because my brother's a, you know, he's a talker. So, but, but I remember him saying, you know, it was like when you're elk hunting, you don't want to be set on one thing, you know? So if you're going in being like, I'm just going to call and, you know, like we, we thought we're going to talk to this guy. He's got a secret call. You know what I'm saying? We're like, he must do yeah, one thing yeah. that just, yeah, we got this down, you know. But yeah. uh, he was just like, yeah, I've, you know, I've, I've, I'll hunt water, I'll glass, I'll, I'll call, I'll, you know. We're just like, we were so confused afterwards. We're like, huh? But as I get older and and a little wiser, I would assume that it makes sense because, you know, elk are. They move a lot, you know, they get pressured, this happens, that happens, you kind of got to leave, leave everything open. Would be my, uh, my advice, I guess. Well, I, I think there, another piece of advice that I got from you, I remember calling you just not too long ago, and I'm like, fuck, you're an awesome elk hunter, and I suck, and you laugh, and I'm like, you're like, I'm not awesome, and I'm like, no, like, man, like I'm, I'm hunting hard, you know, I'm put, I, I'm putting in all this time and I'm doing this and I'm doing that and blah, blah, blah. And, and I remember you said, you're like, yeah, well you hunted mule deer for seven days and then you went and hunted elk here. And then you, and I know your advice to me then was time spent. Like these guys we interview, um, you know, like your elk hunt this year, you had two real, you had an awesome Oregon tag and you had an uh, awesome Nevada tag. And instead of splitting the season in half and saying, I'm going to do 10 days or 12 days here and 12 days there, you hunted Nevada for 21 days, right? Was it 21 days? Yeah. I killed my bull the 28th day I was in the unit. I got there like 28 days. days. So. Okay. Okay. So you hunted 28 days. And then you went on to the next tag. You didn't just like cut your season in half and go, okay, I'm going to hunt this unit. And then I'm going to go to that. Like, no, you stayed in one till you got it done. And then you moved on to the other. And, and I think that, like, that's like really good advice. Like, I think if I could go back and do it again, like I wouldn't have went hunted mule deer. I would have wanted hunted elk. Cause then if I would have went to that unit for seven days and then went home for seven days and then went back, for 10 days, I would have had a huge leg up because I would have just been in there for a week. Yeah, um, I mean, hunting with a, so I, a bow is, a, you know, a real bow is, it's, a, it's not easy. So I, I hate going on a hunt anymore. And, you know, obviously I'm older and I have more time and, and I'm lucky there, but anymore, you know, gosh, I hate going on a hunt even for, 
10 days. <laughs> I like to have, I like to be there and have a month because if I, if it's the end of the first week or the end of the second week, I want to be, you know, still knowing, well, I got plenty of time. You know, if I don't get one next week, I'll get one the week after, you know, like, and I, but yeah, personally though, because I'm a terrible hunter, I'm sure, but it, yeah, it, I just hunt a lot better when I'm not stressed. If you, even on a two week hunt, you know, you start doing the math and, and you've hunted for 12 days and you haven't even had an opportunity and you're thinking, I got, you know, I got a, you know, few days left. This, you know, then you're like in a panic, you know, and you're running around the woods and making mistakes and, and, uh, yeah, you can't it took afford to make eight mistakes. Days I mean, to find- I, like I said, I was, I was, it was the 22nd day of hunting, you know, that I was there. And that was the only time I pulled my bow back the whole season. And I was, you know, I was there six days early scouting. And this was a unit that I drew and hunted a couple of years ago and spent three weeks in. So, you know, it was just, you think, and that's another lesson to guys, you think you get a good tag or draw a good tag and it's going to be a slam yeah, dunk. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was, it was hot. And when it's hot in the desert, the elk do not come out in the daylight. <laughs> and, and we spent, I mean, we, just grinded it for weeks and you know i mean yeah it, it wasn't easy either and a lot of guys that just give up but you gotta you know you're not gonna get one if you're not out there and i enjoy just being on nature hikes every day it's pretty awesome so <laughs> you gotta like that part i guess yeah you gotta love the process for sure but i think that that the more time you can throw at it uh the better i mean you look at all these guys i mean the more time you can throw at it, that's where you're going to get, get your chances. I mean, um, and, and that's, you know, that's the lesson I'm, that I'm taking fast. away from it. Go ahead, Carson. It can always change fast. Things can change fast with elk hunting. Yeah. 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 I mean, and I'll, I'll, I'll give you my, my story. I'll give you my story from this year. So, um, that buddy of mine, Josh, that, I actually met him on, he drew the tag two years ago when I drew it. And, and as I said, we bought tags this year. Well, his wife, I kept in touch with him. He's awesome dude. Well, his wife drew the tag this year. So, um, I hunted with them quite a bit and, um, you know, try the elk. Like I said, they're pretty nocturnal. Nothing was work. We sat water. I mean, weeks of this stuff, sitting water, glass and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I did. I did call in a couple bulls for just right at dark. Man, one night, oh, it was, they just, anyway, long story, but she just couldn't get a shot. We we're in this burn and it was, you know, just right before dark and we'd sat up there all afternoon and I was in there the day before. So I knew kind of where they were bedding and where they were coming out at dark. And so we got in there a little early and just kind of planted the seed, you know, like three o'clock and made a couple calls here and there and, you know, we'd wait 45 minutes and, you know, and, and finally right before dark, like all of a sudden here comes one and, and, uh, and, and I kind of got impatient cause it was getting dark and wanted to bump up cause I hadn't seen him in a while. He was coming across this burn and I, as I go up to grab her and move forward, I kind of bumped the bull and I'm like, Oh, I just screwed it up for, you know, we've been, she, and she was, she is a badass. I mean, hotter than shit. I mean, we're hiking miles, just trucking, trucking, not complaining. She was, she was awesome. Um, and I'm like, I just screwed it up, you know, and I, and he kind of went around this little draw. So I slipped around and, and then I was like, 
he wasn't really too spooked, so I kind of just I kind of went away from him, kind of you know, with a with a cow call, you know, a little estrus call, like I was leaving. And man, that just flipped a switch, and he lost his mind. And then like three other bulls popped off, and they were just right on top of her, and there's just limbs in the way, and she couldn't get a shot. So anyway, um, that was like the best action we had the whole season <laughs> until it was the second to the last day, and we were pretty much, I mean, we were as low as you could go. And, uh you know, getting up at 3.30, Every morning for 20, you know, 28 days in a row, you, you get pretty beat. And, and I went to an area that, um, I hadn't, it was one of the few places that I hadn't checked. You know, we're, we're hunting a huge area and you, you drive for hours sometimes to get, you know, and I was like, well, it, we've pounded all these other places. Let's go check this area. And we go check it and, and the burn that had gone through there the year I had the tag two years ago, like it wiped it out. I mean, there wasn't a tree for miles by the time we, and we had to go a long ways to get there. I'm like, crap. So we ended up going out of there and going over to the other side of the mountain range where I had been hunting. And, uh, and just, I mean, pure luck. We, we come into this draw and bam, there's a bull chasing cows and satellite bulls around and they're screaming like bugling. Finally, like we're like there they are, and uh, we just went after them, chased them, and you know three or four ridges later, uh, her asthma was kicking up, and I I not I didn't ditch her, but I, you know they kind of I look back they weren't there, and so I kept going and and uh, got right in on the middle of them, and and I wasn't going to be too choosy, and I shot one of the satellite bulls, and and that was it, and that was. You know, when I went back to camp to get my brother to help me, he he had packed up and he was heading to our next elk hunt. He was like, screw it, I'm done. And I'm like, well, we got an elk to pack out, so you're not leaving. <laughs> so we had to unload all the stuff. But that's, uh yeah, that's how it goes sometimes. So it was so hot down there this year that um when I was down there that week before it opened, my hot water heater wasn't working in the trailer and the wife and kid came with me for that week before and and so i was like man i was kind of frustrated trying to get the hot water you know because mama wants a shower and i did too i was you know pretty stinky and sweaty after a few days so i was like screw it i'll fix it tomorrow i'm going to take a shower in the cold water and i got in there and the water was hot that's how freaking hot it was the water in the trailer was hot from you know the radiant heat off the desert ground cranking the water to 90 degrees i don't know but it was it was crazy so and and you shot that bull what like second week of september it was the the 15th second that season's open till the 16th so it was uh the 15th of september wow second to last day of that season yep and and well i mean the the bulls and those couple canyons and i'd hunted i hunted this canyon quite a bit because there's roads everywhere over there and this is one of the few places that you could go a couple miles from a road and and i was i was getting into like i said we had that one night where we called in some bulls and i you know i'd hunted it probably three or four other times there was a couple other guys in there hunting it also but they had boogied out you know a couple days before that and there's like i knew the elk were in there you'd see the sign but 
they just it was they were nocturnal, you know, and and uh, uh-huh. but man, those lads packing out my bowl and and oh, I mean, there's just the bowls were just screaming nonstop, and I was like, this is what it was supposed to be like. <laughs> Why didn't this happen a week ago? You know. Uh, well, how many times do you say that it's that? That's like the magic time, right? That like fifteenth, well, you know, twelfth to the seventeenth, somewhere in there, usually. Yeah, well, it definitely was this year, and it oh. seemed like that even over here because my, you know, we had the, our Oregon tag, and Brian, my buddy Brian, was over there, and he, we had a bunch of fires here in Oregon, also. So, um, you know, for those guys that listen, we had some crazy fires in Oregon this year. My wife actually evacuated while I was gone hunting, evacuated, flew to Boise. I had my daughter with me. I had to drive her to there and they went back east to stay with her sister because they were evacuating you know everything over here so my buddy brian didn't get over into our oregon unit until you know a lot later than he was planning obviously so but he got in there i think around the 15th or something and they were just going nuts for like three or four days and then you know we didn't get over there till the 19th or something of course after we left and came home and regrouped and got back over there it was a couple days later and it was totally different ball game some weather came in but yeah you never know man yeah yeah you know it's funny you mentioned those elk were nocturnal in that heat and i wouldn't say it was it definitely wasn't hot during that first week of october when james and i were over there but it definitely wasn't as cold as it can be that time of year and uh Oh, it warmed really, up the I, last I few days. Well, we had that Remember? nasty wet weather. Yeah. But, but uh, I mean, it can be, you know, it, it has a potential to get way down. I, I felt like it could have been colder at night, you know. No, you're right. It was actually that. like, it was warm, really. I mean, I think you're 100% right. It was pretty warm considering. Yeah, by the, but by I, the middle I, of September, like weather, weather in the 20s, you know. Yeah, yeah, we weren't getting into the 20s, and it's, you know, first week of October. But whether it's the weather or the pressure, I, I felt like those those bowls that I was trying to get on were 100% nocturnal. And it was, that was frustrating because, like, as I started to reach a little deeper into the tactics bag, I'm like, okay, these bowls are going to they're, – they're sounding off, but, I, I mean, these guys pick some pretty good spots to sound off from. Like, the one guy I was going to try and sneak in – a little closer to, there's like no way to approach him except from straight below where he's going to see you coming from a hundred yards away through the open. And so it's like, Oh, you know, that's not going to work. But I, he, he was bugling back and forth with a, another bull. And it was the same story with the other bull, the, the big screamer that, that, you know, was further from me. He, he was in a similar position where there's like no approach. I couldn't sneak in, you know, I don't know. Maybe if I would have got close enough and, Sounded off on that big screamer. He would have got pissed and come in, but I tried that on the, the closer bowl. I was definitely within a hundred yards and let one rip and he wouldn't budge. You know, I kind of ran out of cover trying to sneak up to him and he wouldn't budge. He wouldn't budge. He wouldn't budge. So anyway, I guess what I'm getting at is then I decided to, okay, I can locate these bulls. Calling game isn't working for me, but maybe I'll just set up just below them where they're going to come down to these meadows. You know, there's, there's some pretty obvious trails down from where I think they're at. 
but they would not come down to these meadows till well after dark. It was so frustrating. I don't know how many times I walked out in the evening and would just listen to them bugle their way down into these meadows, you know, yeah. 45 minutes after the sun, you know, after it's gotten completely dark and I'm, you know, on the ridge heading out of there. And that was just, it seemed to be the, the case there. Um, we, we'd made the mistake of being high, camping high on the mountain. Carson, we'd be high up on the mountain and we'd hear them down in the meadows all night long. And we'd bomb down there in the dark only to hear them up past our camp. So they were already heading you know, out of the meadows before it got light too, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So we, we, we thought, okay, we're, we're going to catch them at first light, skirt out of there. Yeah. And then turns out each time they'd actually went around us. And yeah. I have to think that, that, that was just from a lot of pressure, you know, it just, it just widens yeah. them up to like, Hey, this, we, we don't get messed with if we just wait a little bit longer, you know, to go down there and come up a little earlier. It's like, well, know. Preston yeah. was uh, hunting in the same area and he was in there before we got there. He was in that prime, like right. the 13th through the 18th or whatever. Yeah. yeah. And he said that he was up there in the, up, up, up in those uh, burns and that the other hunters would come in in the morning and hunt around the all around like the, the same thing, and this elk would be moving up into those burns, and he'd hunt the hunt them all day long while while the hunters were all circling the the meadows. And he, uh, learning curve. Yeah, he had had a few more days. He might have might have worked out yeah. for him, but I know he was over there for just a short, like two or three nights. He, he said it was the best elk hunting he'd ever been in, though. He was like in, in him hard. He just he was drawing his bow back a whole bunch of times, and yeah. Hmm. So That's I'm looking forward to both. Yeah, yeah, this year. Um, I'm I'm gonna lead the the mule deer out, and I'm going to uh, uh I'm gonna I'm gonna plan to put a a good solid 10 day hunt on them in the middle of season. And then a good solid week, uh, in the extension, if I need it, if I draw it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I haven't, I really don't know what I'm going to do for elk yet. I know I want to put my time in. I'm thinking I might try and make, I might try and, uh, focus on that opening weekend, you know, start. Oh yeah. And I'm going to go opening weekend as well. Out for sure, season yeah. and just leave right. into the season, you know, and hopefully have something be, be right there opening morning, but we'll see. Yeah. Um, what, uh, so then what do we got? Uh, some black tails. I know you hunted them a little bit, huh, Carson? Enough to stick an arrow through one. Yeah, yeah, I had, uh, so we've got that Willamette tag, which is, uh, like September through February tag. And, uh, right between our general and late season, I was using that tag and kind of got a local, little private property up the road, uh, old guy that gave me permission to hunt. And it, it's only the third year I've been out there and I've only, only spent a couple evening hunts out there prior to this year. But this year I was like, it, explored it a little more and saw a lot more sign and deer this year and uh started getting a little more excited about this little chunk of property little 20 acre piece of property and and 
getting to know it a little better and got some permission from the other neighbor too. So that really opened it up to some, some good bedding areas. Um, and, uh, yeah, it, it wasn't, wasn't much of a hunting feat. I just went out there a couple of evenings and, uh, there was a doe up top near, near his shop and I, <laughs> she spooked and I went around the other side of the shop and I just walked around and she stood there long enough out in some knee high Christmas tree plantings and, um, made a good shot. And, uh, I guess it'd be worth telling the, the story of, uh, of, uh, yeah, the, the tra- trailing her because, uh, you know, it's always, I always learn something every time. And, uh, anyway, I, I, it was a long shot and a little bit longer than I would normally take, but it just felt right as I drew back and she didn't seem on edge and, uh, you know, these yard deer and, uh, <laughs> and, uh, I, I heard a good crack and my arrow looked really good, but it was getting towards that last you know, shooting light of the day. And these feathers, this, these arrows were particularly dark with some old, worn, dark green natural barred turkey feathers on there. They weren't very bright arrows at all. And so, and it was, it was, my arrow was angling down on entry from that distance. So it was a little hard to tell. I thought with that crack that I might've hit her higher, uh, but she mule kicked and I'm like, okay, didn't you shoot I, her with the Pearson you know, deadhead too? Yeah, yeah, it was one of my dad's old arrows as a heavier arrow he made up for moose hunt one day, you know, that never happened and there's just a couple of them laying around and it, it was not it was like in the fourth or fifth position in my quiver but somehow that one came out and found its way to the string first and um yeah, it was only deadhead in there. And uh but that was just an arrow that I knew flew really well out of that bow setup from shooting in the sand pit in the backyard. And so, um, so it was in the quiver and yeah. And, um, hit the mark, she mule kicked. I'm like, Oh yeah. But, but I guess when I started second guessing it, I was, I was looking for blood, you know, she just took off just straight line, you know, sprint and hopped a fence into the neighboring property about 60 yards away. And I couldn't turn up any blood. And this is an open bare dirt, you know, that had been beaten down by rain just a day or two before. So it's fresh, fresh slate of dirt and, uh, in this young Christmas tree planting and I couldn't see a drop of blood. And then here's my arrow about 15 yards from where she was standing when she was hit, you know, broken off with maybe six inches of the arrow or less. No, not even that. Maybe, you know, maybe just, uh, couple inches of wood shaft behind that point really uh was the only thing missing now that i think about it um so yeah here's full pretty much full length of the arrow laying there uh very little blood up the shaft and uh no blood on the ground you know her tracks are clear as day those are her tracks here's where she took off you know here's where she's she's dead sprinting and uh so i followed all the way to the fence line still haven't turned up any blood it's like gosh if i had heart shot her which which is what the mule kick led me to believe then I should be seeing blood right and uh but now I've got to go get permission from the neighbors I haven't talked to these neighbors this is the opposite side of the property the different neighbors and uh so now it's dark and they got a little bit of a long driveway and some some you know menacing no trespassing beware dog signs and like ah crap so I'm yelling from their 
their gate. <laughs> Excuse me, you know. And I'm trying not to look like a weirdo in my big old hunting hat and dark camo and and uh, just standing oh, there at the I gate. Promise. And finally, someone walks up to the gate. You wouldn't have let me in. Is that what you're going to say? I said, I promise he looked like a weirdo, everybody. I'll post a picture. <laughs> oh, and uh, so this lady slowly comes out, you know, and stops a little ways away and asks, how she can help and I explain the situation and she says yeah sure and so I uh I, I talked to my buddy Tyler um texted him I think and he's like yeah you shot her in the armpit if you, if she meal kicked and there's no blood on the ground well I go back there and this is giving me some hope you know and and uh she's crossed this she jumped the fence and it's just a little mowed down pasture that this lady has some goats in. And so there's just goat crap everywhere and, you know, tight, tight little walked over bunch grass down to the ground and no, no sign, anything. It's dark. And I got a flashlight, no blood. And I, so I'm just going to go straight to where I think she went into the woods. You know, there's a little break in the briars where I'm pretty sure, you know, it's, it's basically the straight line that she was heading. And I think she went down there. So it's like another 60 yards from where she jumped the fence. And I go down there and, Sure enough, that's where she's at. So I didn't find a single drop of blood, but she was just piled up there about 120 yards, dead, you know, dead sprint. And sure enough, Tyler's right. That's where, that's where it was, right, right in the armpit. And, uh, you know, the blood was just internal, but, uh, it clipped the heart and, and that was that. So, um, uh, easy pack out. And, and that was, uh, that's, that's the only thing that made it in the freezer for me this year, but, uh, thankful for that. And, Bob, you, you, you hunted some fancy black tail there, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. I got to go up to the last frontier. Got to go up and hunt with Home Roche and Charters, me and Andy and Brian and Danny. And my brother was supposed to go, but uh, he kind of put the whole damn thing together. And then we go to pick him up the, the morning we were heading up to the airport. And, uh, you know, with all this COVID stuff, we all got tested before, but... He'd been up all night with the flu, and so uh he said he'd try to get up there and meet us, but you know by the time he got better it wasn't ended up not being the covid but he was he was down and out for a day or two, and then by the time he was able to come, you know it's man getting getting anywhere in Alaska is expensive, so it didn't it really sucked not having him there for sure um but yeah it was it was awesome. I always dreamed about going to Alaska. It was super fun. We we went middle October, so uh the rut wasn't, you know, I mean, I knew it was going to be tough. I knew it was going to be tough hunting. Deer weren't rutting. Um, they had a long string of not, you know, bad winters at all. And for you guys that kind of keep an eye on Kodiak, the winter kills are what kind of controls the deer population up there. And so, you know, we know some mutual friends that have been going up there. It's just been phenomenal. And then, you know, it's such a remote place. You don't really know, you know, I was calling, you know, some mutual friends earlier in the year and like, what was the winter? Like, well, you know, we think it was good in the North end and it was good. You know, like, yeah, they had some bad. And then you hear that the North end had some bad winter kill, but the South end never does and this and that. And, and so you're just kind of, you don't know till you get there. And, uh, especially being an earlier hunt and they had a pretty rough winter kill and and so there I don't think there was many deer as usual but we had a blast um you know chased her chased them around we basically um 
the area when you're when you're on the boat you kind of hunt where you know it all depends on which way the wind's blowing so you can be in a sheltered cove you know and the place we hunted the first couple days was a little more open and so we were able to spot some of the deer you know they weren't bedded in these you know giant alder thickets that you couldn't see into but more like four foot tall alder brush kind of out on these flats and you could pick out their white faces and so um you know we ended up just kind of sneaking in there on them and and and, you know they're not as they're not as cagey as our black tails i mean they'll definitely if they see you they'll run but but they'll kind of just stand up and look at you for a second so um we kind of got on that you know this is all in a two-day period so obviously there was some trial and error but the night before i killed my buck danny and i spotted two different bucks in that same situation and and he went kind of down off one side of the canyon and i went down the other and and we you know long story short we both ended up getting right there on the bucks and it just you know the buck i was you know had it it's always windy there so you know you're trying to be pretty picky with your shots and and it stood it was perfect laying there but it was like hard quarter and then it stood up and it was hard quarter and it was like 36 yards a little you know like the edge of my range and i just didn't feel you know just like carson said earlier that shot that felt good it didn't feel good so i just kind of let him walk and then i got to watch dan you know with that other buck and when you're on those boats they want you back at the beach at a certain time you know before dark um and we were a couple miles from the beach still and you know (laughs) it was getting really late so danny ended up trying to get the buck to stand up whereas he usually you would have waited it out you know like he pushed it and that buck spooked off but we were like man this works so uh the next day we basically got back in that same spot and glassed up it was a smaller buck bedded down we didn't watch him bed but we watched him go into this little this little patch and and so we both of us kind of slipped around the wind the good thing about the wind howling is you know they don't they don't hear you sneaking up there so we basically both kind of snuck up in there and uh i got right to where i'm like okay that other buck's gotta be right here you know like and all of a sudden the buck i ended up killing which was bigger buck which is good he stood up you know just like stood up and looked at us off to our left and i'm like oh crap you know so anyway ended up making a quick shot and i mean i thought i shot him right in the heart but i shot a little low and anyway long story short um it wasn't the cleanest harvest in the world but uh we we had to you can't you can't just let it bed down you know this is bear country and again you know we got to be back on the boat they told us that storm's coming in we got to move the boat like 20 miles tonight to be able to you know, it could blow 80 miles an hour and we're like, oh crap. So it's not like we could come back the next day and just get our deer. So anyway, we had to push a little bit and, uh, you know, without the help of Dan and Brian and Andy, Brian and Andy ended up, they were up on a mountain way up behind us and they kind of watched the whole thing. And, and, uh, anyway, we were able to sneak in there and get another shot in them and finish it off. And it was cool having everybody there to skin it out because we didn't have to worry about getting eaten by bears <laughs> andy had the overwatch with the pistols and um you know danny's the best with a knife that i think exists and he cut it up and we packed it out and got got to the beach right at dark it, it was pretty sweet um 
the bears there are gigantic and we saw two or three bears every day. They were, it's not one of those places you hunt and you're like, yeah, people, you know, there's bears here, but you see them like they're there. <laughs> so like you have a, a new respect for hunters that hunt the bear. Oh, country, Paul, Paul Ford like. is my hero. He's my hero. <laughs> Burkhart and those guys. I mean, they're going out there. They're not sleeping on some nice boat, man. They're out on the lake where the bears are and just sleeping in their little tent. Like, that's no big deal. And Paul just goes by himself for weeks. I mean, the guy's insane. He's insane. I told him, he's oh. like, you have the biggest balls. You must have the biggest balls in the world. Like, you are nuts. And he just laughs, you know. But, uh, cool place, man. We saw mountain goats. We saw, we saw a grizzly bear or, you know, brown bear, whatever you want to call him. We saw when me and Dan split up one day. I was with Andy too. This is after I killed my buck and I was just with him. Well, I spotted these bucks up in these rocks, you know, up in the goat country. And I told Andy, Dan had split off to go his own way. And I'm like, let's go, you know. So me and Andy were, were getting up this mountain and we get up on this open ridge. We're circling around and all of a sudden I see Danny coming our way, you know, and I'm like, what the heck? And he's like, Oh, Robert, I'm glad to see you. And I'm like, yeah, what's up? He's like, look up there there's a huge brown bear chasing a mountain goat he's like it's chasing around a mountain goat i'm like oh my gosh yeah we we go the thing must have been hungry i mean it was chasing a freaking mountain goat (laughs) and then the best part of the trip is brian our good buddy brian stevens we we all know him he is paranoid he's the probably one of the best elk hunters there is. I mean, he is a stud. He's a hunting machine. He hunts as much as anybody you've ever known. So he's not like this guy that's afraid of the woods, but he is deathly afraid of bears. <laughs> so when we told him, Hey, we're going to Kodiak this year, he just looked at us like, are you freaking kidding me? Really? Like, really guys? And like, yeah, we're going buddy. And he's like, Oh my God. <laughs> and so he brings a gun. He brings some fancy, like six and a half, PRC thing or some rifle, right? And he's a bow hunter. He's never rifled in his life either. But he's got this gun, and we were stuck in Kodiak for a couple days, you know, waiting for whatever, you know, the way the planes worked out. So we're at the local sporting goods store. You know, we're making fun of him because he's, you know, he's talking guns with all the guys in the gun store and, you know, blah, blah, blah. He's this gun expert, right? Well, after the second day, now he's like, okay, I want to just shoot one, get some meat, and then I'll take my bow out, right? So we, we, we all were on the skiff. We were getting dropped off in the same spot. So he, you know, Billy drives us out on the skiff, goes to drop us off. And Brian, you know, he drops us off, takes off back for the boat. And Brian's going to load his gun. And he, he had taken the bolt out of it or something and left it in the airport hangar in Kodiak City. So he's got a gun without a bolt. So. Have a gun. Oh God, it was funny. But man, the stories. We had a we had a sixth guy on our boat, um, and uh, he's super nice guy. And he'd been there. That was, was the replacement for your brother. No, there was there would have been five of us with my brother, but there was you oh, know, there's okay. just an extra opening on the boat, and so um, this guy had had been with him a bunch, and you know he just kind of tagged along and. So we didn't really know the guy. The guy's a rifle hunter, you know, so we're like, hey, whatever. Well, you know, he ends up kind of, well, he brought two guns. So Brian, he kind of hooks up with Brian on like the fourth or fifth day. And, and, uh, and, and to back up on Brian's stories, <laughs> the first day him and Andy go out, they split up, you know, like, 
Andy, you know, goes this way, glass, he's sitting there glassed or something, and Brian's like, I'm gonna take off and go out here, you know, and they got their bows, and they, Brian takes off. And then, uh, about half an hour later, all of a sudden, Andy sees Brian just like huffing it back up the hill, just like sweating, he comes over the hill, he's just sweating like crazy, running, and he's like, what happened? And he's, <laughs> so Brian walks over the hill, you know, he's looking out in this meadow, and he's like, he's looking out there, and he's like, man, what is that? Is that a big rock? He's like, no, it's not a rock, you know. And then he's looking. He's like, hey, it's like a beaver dam or something. So he pulls up his, gets his binoculars out of his cage. You know, it's always raining and windy. So he pulls his binoculars out and he looks, looks out in this opening. And then he says, the thing turns its head and looks at him. And the, they sit you down on the boat and tell you things not to do for the bears, right? And the, one of the first things they tell you is don't run. So this bear turns its head and looks at Brian and what does he do? He just turns around and takes off running. <laughs> Got the hell out of there. And so he runs back up to Andy and uh Andy's like, What the heck, man? And he he's like, Well how far was it? And he goes, I don't know, like two hundred, maybe three hundred yards. <laughs> so anyway, it wasn't even close to him, but he was freaked out the whole time. And and the the guy that tagged him along rifle hunting, one more story on that is, so they go up rifle hunting three or four days later and they get up this mountain and Brian's like, okay, I got a, I got a local, I got a, uh, oh, and to back up the same night I shot my deer, this, this rifle hunter that's with us, he shot a deer a couple miles from us, it turns out, and a bear came in and took it. Like just ran in and grabbed a deer or freaking deer and took off with it. And like he tried to scare it away, like shooting gun, whatever. It just took off with his deer, like going in and grabbing a rabbit and taking off with it. And so anyway, fast forward a couple of days later, Brian's hunting with him and they're up on this mountain and, and they go over a hill and the, you know, they see a brown bear and it's, you know, I don't know, 150, 200 yards away or something. And, and Brian's like, Oh, okay, cool. I'm with the, I'm with a, you know, a pro here. I'm going to probably going to get our cameras and take some pictures. You know, so Brian's kind of messing around. He's going to get his camera out of his pocket and he's reaching, he's messing around. Well, he hears all of a sudden he hears, Hey, 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 and he, he turns around, he looks and this guy's like on his hands and knees, like back behind him crawling down the hill. And he's like, what the hell are you doing? Let's get the hell out of here. Brian just freaked out. He just lost him. He's like, oh, my God. And so he starts to take off running, and then the guy's like, no, don't run. Like, just go, let's go, let's go. And, and, dude, after that day, Brian was like, I don't even know if I want to go out again. He's like, screw this place. Screw it. You know, this guy, this guy's been here 15 times, and he's paranoid of him. Like, oh, my God. Oh, dude. The, the bear stories are classic. And then and Brian's oldest boy, Tanner, who, you know, he we hunt with obviously he wasn't on that trip with us but he sent me a picture after we got up he took brian ended up shooting one with a rifle um and tanner took that picture <laughs> and in the background he he photoshopped a bear like a big brown bear sitting on its hind waves like waving at him like a cartoon almost <laughs> he put it in a frame and got it for him for christmas it's it is so damn funny yeah that was the, that was the highlight of the trip i wish my brother could have been there but uh, yeah that was it was uh, something else. I'd imagine those bears make you feel alive. It, it is, it, you know, and you know how psycho Danny is. You know, Danny's just like, yeah, man, this is awesome. Oh, and then he's and then the, very so, comfortable around black bears. So yeah, I yeah. Can only imagine. So <laughs> then the 
we're we're in the we're in the alders blowing a fond distress call like nonstop. I mean, there's a few times I can be like, okay, Danny, that's enough, bro. Like, I am sweating bullets here, dude. Like, I can't see four feet. We just ran a bear into this brush. And we're we're trying to scrape up a doe here because the hunting's so tough. Like I don't think it's worth it, you know. Uh, but honestly, I feel like if if I was in Alaska with Danny, it would be like a almost like a false sense of security. Like I'd be like, oh, we're gonna be fine. We got Danny with us. But I mean, he is a human being. Yeah, yeah. And he even said, you know, like yeah, those, those bears are a little, little different. But you know, obviously, he wasn't scared at all. You know, it's Dan. But no. I'll tell you that no. day when he was like, "I'm glad to see you, Bob Robert." Like, holy crap, that thing's hungry. Don't let it see us. We're like, yeah, no shit. Oh god, it was it was a riot though, man. That what a I mean, you come back every night and you just eat like a king. And Billy and Zach were just they're super good, super awesome guys, man. It, we it was it was a hoot, that's for sure. Uh, and one more, uh, one more thing. So while we're watching my buck, you know, I shot it, hit it a little low, you know, we watch it bed down. We're sitting there and I'm glassing because it bedded down in some of that little brush and, you know, a hundred yards away or whatever. And you're laying in everything, the ground's all soft, you know, everywhere, you know, swampy stuff. And I'm laying there and I, we had felt a little earthquake the day before. And, and as I'm laying there, I'm like, you know, I just, I felt like everything was moving, but I'm like, ah, it's just a swampy in the wind, whatever. And then, and then we watched it for a little while and we're like, all right, you know, we got to make a game plan. And I go to check my in reach thing, just because I was fumbling through my pockets because we've been sitting there and I got a text from my wife and she's like, there's an earthquake, you know, sand point and, you know, get to high ground. There's a tsunami warning. And I'm like, is that here? You know, I, and I text her back and I'm like, here? And she's like, yes, go. And, and we look and I hope my wife isn't in this part either because she's in the other room. But, but so we look and we're like, Danny and I look at each other and we're like, well, shit, man, we're down in this flats and we, we can see the ocean. Like it's just right over there. And then we look back up on the mountain and we're like, Eh, it's not, it's not gonna be a tsunami, right? We're like, nah, it'll be fine. Screw it. You know, let's go. And I say, text the wife back. I'm like, alright. She's like, head to high ground. I'm like, alright, honey. We're heading to high ground. Love you. <laughs> but luckily, you know, the tsunami never came. But, but man, that place is just crazy. The place is crazy. So. Wow. Sounds the amazing. Best, the best eating gay meat I've ever had. And my wife, it's, it's better than elk. She likes it better than elk. She says I can go back anytime. Christmas Eve, we took the ribs, you know, they told us, like, cut out the ribs. They're really good. They made a rack, you know, of them while we were there. And oh my God. And, and actually we cooked both of ours, or Billy did cook both of ours on the boat there. And, uh, and that was the same night we had like this crab feast and I didn't even touch the crab. The ribs were so good. I mean, we just, I just crushed those ribs. Well, Christmas Eve, we saved Brian, brought his ribs, and he's like, oh, you can have them, whatever. I'm like, are you sure, dude? And he's like, yeah. I'm like, okay. So we uh we put them on the Traeger or the Pit Boss or whatever. That was our Christmas Eve dinner here at the house. And, dude, we pulled them off, oh. and get them on the island, and uh, like we cut off a couple for Ava and chop up some little pieces of meat, put them on her plate. And then Christy and I are just standing there, and I, you know, I gnaw into one. I'm like, oh, my God. It, we didn't even sit down. We just stood at the 
the <laughs> kitchen island like savages and just shredded this rack of ribs, dude. And that was it. Like, they, it is so good. There's so much fat, and I mean that meat is incredible. It is absolutely incredible. Wow. So. Wow. Yeah, pretty cool, man. I definitely want to plan a trip to go yeah. back. I'm gonna try to. I'm just gonna want to go get dropped off at one of those those. You know, go get dropped off, not do the boat thing, and hope we don't get eaten. And, that's uh, that's all gonna do it if you do it again. Yeah, up top, for sure. I mean, I, I the boat thing. You know, it costs a lot of money, but it it is awesome. But you lose you lose some hunting time. You know, you got to be back. You know, by the time they don't like to run around in the dark because it's always windy and it's always you know it's safety thing. You know, they don't want to drown. Yeah. But, you know, so you're losing time in the morning and time in the evening and, and, uh, and plus, you know, like you said, you kind of feel alive when you're out there and you might get eaten. You know, Danny was just like, man, yeah. <laughs> He's like, man, I haven't, this was awesome. You know, <laughs> he's like, I haven't felt this alive in a long time. Man, yeah. He's nuts. But there is a little truth to that, you know. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds, uh, sounds amazing. I, I hunted some blacktail around here for 12 days and, and I think there was one good day. One, one good day of hunting and the rest of the days suck. Yeah, I had a good plan to hunt blacktails here. I bought a timber permit that I was, you know, after that, after my, month and a half of elk hunting and then you know by the time you go up there and spend a week hunting and days on the other end you know almost two months and but i had a good plan i was like well i can take my daughter with me up on this timberland it's roaded we can glass you know we can go on little hikes and rattle like i had an awesome plan for the late season and then it all burn up in september and it's all closed down. So I didn't, I, I went down with you for a weekend. Well, I mean, we went down and yeah. me and Ava came down. You guys camp. showed up and it was like, it was like 20 something degrees out. And Ava's like, I was talking to her while you were setting up the tent. And I was like, you going to sleep in there in this cold weather? It's your dad. And she was like, oh, I might cuddle with him tonight because it's cold. <laughs> You've got her trained well. I can tell you that my girls would not want to be uh, out cold camping like that. Yeah, we had to scrape the ice uh, off our little crapper chair to, that night so she could take a take a crap. But yeah, no, she, uh, I froze that night because I gave her my good zero degree sleeping bag, and I was in this crappy little cotton thing, and I I froze my feet off that night. Holy crap! I wasn't expecting it to be twenty two degrees. It was some serious weather uh, that hunt. I, I had a nice uh, nice pop up tent with a heater and. Ben Bolson was hunting with me and he was just staying in a backpack tent. One day it rained like two inches or one night. Like, just, I mean, it was pouring. I looked at, I kept calling his phone. I felt so bad. I was trying to get him to come into my tent with me, but I didn't want to go out there. And oh, he, Ben's an animal. He, he had like he multiple. Sleep, I think he, he could just sleep out in the rain and be fine. <laughs> in the river. Yeah, he was he sleeping in a river basically. So. <laughs> Yeah, it was cool to hang out yeah, with like, fire and get to get to talk to you guys and hang out with Ben. I haven't, I've seen, but you know, we run into each other at the shoots, but we're always busy, so it's pretty pretty awesome getting to hang out. Yeah, man, it just makes me want to have like a big blacktail camp, you know. And and I know that we've got some, uh, we're working on some something that might make that happen. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully in the future. 
But I got to I got to tell I got two more stories I want to tell. Um, and these aren't really hunting. Well, I guess the first one's hunting related, but with the COVID and everything this year, you know, things were pretty shut down. But for me, it was perfect. My daughter wasn't school yet and my wife was working from home. So she wanted us out of the house. So we got the heck out of the house and I work a schedule like every weekend. You, you were like always somewhere traveling with your daughter, like to go hunting or fishing or scouting or it was cool. Well, I got, so my, my schedule, I work one day and I have two days off. So yeah, I, I just get off in the morning and have everything loaded and we were gone. And so we started out just doing a lot. Of, I love shed hunting. I, you know, a lot of guys don't know. I don't get to go as much as I used to, but I used to in my twenties, man, I, that's all I ever did. So I, I just like hiking around and stump shooting basically, but so we did a ton of that, and then uh, and then we actually went over into some of the areas I used to elk hunt over there in northeastern Oregon. And when turkey season opened and the snow melted enough, we did get stuck one time, but it finally melted where we get around. And I'm like, man, I've seen turkeys in here before, and you know, over time there's got to be some more and more. So we started kind of turkey hunting, you know. And you got a five year old, you say you're turkey hunting, but you aren't really. But man, she is such a trooper, and and so. <laughs> the one, the one good story I'll, I'll share is we, we'd been over there for a couple days. I think I had a, a shift off, so I think we'd been over there a few days. We hiked around, and we actually went to this one area, and hiked around this pond and looked for turkey tracks or poop, you know. And I'm not, I haven't turkey hunted in 20 years, 20 some years basically. And we're hiking around this pond, and we saw some, a couple geese had taken off. And then we saw some crap and we thought it might have been turkey crap, but we we're like, nah, it must be those geese. You know, I don't, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. And we hiked, the, we make this big loop around. Well, on the way back, we found oh, over this hill out on this open little ridge, there's a couple trees like behind it, but there's two plywood. Somebody had an old camp there and there's two plywood little crapper boxes with toilet seats on them, you know? And we we're just like, oh, you know, a couple of crapper boxes, you know, just nothing, no big deal. Well, the next night, you know, my kid had been there a couple nights and she hadn't, you know, <laughs> gone number two, you know, and I'm like, all right, well, let's go. We'll run down to the, to the, those crappers, you know, or whatever. And, and so we go down and, and we're, we're both, you know, doing our call of duty in nature here and out in the wide open on these little boxes. And there's this little draw below us and she's having a hoot, you know, we're talking back and forth and laughing and I'm like, and I reached down, I had my pants on and I had this, uh, a reed in my pocket, an elk reed or something. I'm like, Oh, I'll try a little turkey call. And I, and I give a couple hang clucks and the tur, like turkeys just right below us start going nuts. And I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. <laughs> We're sitting there on, like out in the open on these, stuff. I, it was, it was the most bizarre. And we just hiked through there like the night before. And, you know, we, that was our second or third trip over there looking for turkeys, you know, going out. I mean, we tried everything. We never, never even seen a turkey. And then all of a sudden, bam, there they are. So we end up going back in there the next morning. And I call in like four of these dang turkeys and I end up missing one. She, she's sitting. I got this little half line and she's sitting there and we had to move up. We even had to move up a couple times. And finally, here they come. Well, they I had moved the blind because I thought they were going to come behind us. And if I would have left it right where I was at, I had a perfect shot. But they came up and saw they had to get by the decoy before I could shoot after I moved the blind because there were some trees in the way. Well, they come around and they, they get close enough. The hen came f first and she saw 
my 20 some year old decoy that looked like hell and spooked off. And then I'm like, Oh crap. And then the toms get kind of nervous and they get up to, they're like five yards from the decoy or 10 yards. I don't know. And, and they start getting real nervous. And I'm like, Oh, so I tried to take a shot. I, I had a real small lane through these trees. And anyway, it didn't work out. I run up there and I, and I, you know, they're running off and I shoot at them again and, you know, run around like an idiot. Well, I, I go grab my arrows and I come back up to the top of the hill. Well, here's my daughter. She's all dressed up, you know, camo and just stocking hat on. It's colder than crap. I mean, it snowed the next morning. And anyway, she's looking at me and she's like, did you get him, daddy? And I'm like, no, I didn't get him. And she's like, what? where's the blood? And I'm like, there's no blood. I missed him. She's like, no, we got to look for blood. And she's just screaming. And then she just starts crying. And, uh, yeah, that was our turkey hunt. What did she say when you guys are on the crappers and the, and the, and the birds fired off? No, nothing, man. It was, she was, just, we were just, but, but I, I told her, I was like, oh, I, mean, I was like, let's get out of here, you know, so we quickly got the heck out there and we, we go back around up the hill, you know, and sneak out of there. And then I'm like, what should we do? Should we go after him now or should we wait till the morning? You know, what should we do? And, and I let her kind of plan out and she's like, oh, we should wait till the morning. And so, we did. We got up at, you know, four in the morning and got out there in the dark and got him gobbling and, and, uh, yeah, then we chased him the next morning too, but they were onto us by then and it snowed that morning and man, we chased him for a couple miles. She's such a little trooper. It was a she blast. Gonna we be had such a good time. We, I, yeah, like you said, I don't know how many nights we spent out, but, uh, I put, a lot of miles on my truck, and that's for sure. You're already making plans to hunt turkeys hard this year, huh? Yeah, I'm, I'm going out. Well, we talked Mommy into letting us get a decoy, so we got a really good decoy after that trip. And then, uh so she's pretty fired up to go. And then we also, our other big event for the year, and this is probably the biggest, biggest thing of the year because it's costing <laughs> me $500 of a taxidermy bill. But we were over there, and we, we were fishing this pond, and and we hooked this fish. And this is in like, I don't know, March. Well, it's probably April or something. And and I'm not a fisherman. You know, my brother's the fisherman in the family. And so, but I always have like trout stuff, you know, and Ava likes to fish. Yeah, since she's a little kid. So I always take her trout fishing. But, you know, trout fishing, you don't, you, you know, you got some old crappy line on there and some power bait or whatever. Well, we're fishing this pond and, you know, she's catching fish. Well, then we hook like a giant fish, probably something they stocked in there. Right. And it just immediately like snaps off our, our line, you know, well, then I, I, I start feeling it, you know, it's all rotten. So I put new line on there and she's all excited, you know, she's like, Oh man, you know, the thing's huge, you know, and I'm excited now because I'm like, that thing was huge. So like a few trips later, we hook the thing again. And now it's like, I got new line on there. I'm, we're good. You know, I'm trying to let her reel it in. You know, she can't even reel it in and she's freaking out. And, and so then I grab the pole and I'm trying to get it through these, there's like a bunch of weeds by the shore and it gets hung up in those weeds. And then, I mean, it's just right there, right at our fingertips. And we can't, you know, she's, she can't grab it. She's five years old and, and I can't grab it because I'm trying to hold the pole up. She can't hold the pole up and it breaks off. And I'm like, and she's heartbroken and she's like, you know, she's just absolutely heartbroken. And then we call my brother on the way back and he's like, you idiot. You know, you didn't have a net. And I'm like, well, no. And so he brings us a net and we, and she was obsessed with catching this fish. Dude, so we, I, I would talk to you guys like <laughs> all, every like time you guys were on your way over there or, or on your way back. And she'd be like, we're going to get new power bait. We're going to get something different. We're going to try this. And my uncle's going to give me a net. And uh, she was like always like 
we're going after the big fish. We're going to get the big one. Well, I told her if we caught it, she, uh, she'd be like, Daddy, if we catch that, can we mount it? And I'm like, yeah, that's a, yeah, if we catch that fish, we can mount it. You know? And so she was just so on it. I mean, we we probably fished that pond 30 days. I mean, I'm not joking. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And, and she caught, we caught a couple other big ones, like, you know, 20, 22 inch, I mean, big trout. And, and she'd be like, daddy, is that one big enough to mount? And I'm like, no, honey, it's a nice one, but it's not. And she'd she get all mad, like, I want to mount it. You know, like, knock it off, you little turd. Oh, man. So anyway, we, we fished it a bunch of summer. Then we, you know, we had started elk scouting and this and that. And I got back from Alaska. And I'm like, well, screw it, honey. Let's skip school. Let's go catch a big fish, you know. And she's always game for that. And so we go over there, and and you know, nobody's fishing there anymore. It's it's rifle elk it's season. It's November. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's rifle elk season, and and uh, or end October. I don't remember when it was, but but yeah. uh, you know, so we 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 get to our spot. You know, we we caught a couple little fish. You know, we're having a good time, and and uh, not. I mean, I had. I no, knew you. I knew. I knew it. I knew it. I knew you guys were. I talked to you guys before you went. I knew it. I was just like, they're gonna catch. It's <laughs> like that wasn't that wasn't even a thought on my mind. And dude, we're we're just about to. I wanted to quit, but she was like, "Oh, daddy, let's you know, let's keep because it was getting late. You know, we wanted to try to be home for dinner. It's a couple hours from her house, and uh, and uh, she's like, "Oh, let's keep you know." So we anyway, a few more casts, and bam, we hook we hook the lunker, and. She was losing her mind, dude. It was the funniest thing ever. I wish I had it. I mean, she just, it's a dream come true. It's a dream. We're yelling, you know, like, cause she's, I'm trying to get her to, her to reel it in. And there's these guys camped across there and they just come back into the camp and they're laugh. I can hear them laughing at us and hollering and I'm yelling at her and she's yelling at me. She's like, God, I'm dead. And I've been called the pole. And we're yelling back and forth like, Oh my God. She's like, Daddy, dream came true. And she's freaking out and running around. And oh my God. And we finally got the thing on the shore. And I mean, I, she was the happiest damn kid in the world. It was so freaking awesome. Oh gosh. It, so yeah, we had to, when when you called me, the first thing I said was, "You guys caught the giant, didn't you?" And you were like, "We did." <laughs> yep, she had to call her grandma and grandpa and Uncle Dougie and everybody on the way home and brag about her big fish. And now it's at the taxidermist it's going to cost me five hundred bucks. But yeah, that was that was just the highlight of the year, man. That was so freaking fun. You know, like when you're a little kid, you, know, you go trout fishing and stuff, and you're like, "Yeah, it's awesome," but you. You know, you get old and you're like, eh, I got this to do or that. It's like being a little yeah. kid again, you know. We were we were just yeah. little kids on the shore of that pond just losing our minds, dude. I'll never, ever forget that. It was so cool. So, yeah, definitely, definitely uh, the highlight of the year, that's for sure. Yeah, my daughter shot her first uh, animal this year. She shot a bear, and she shot it on the last day of spring bear season in the last hour, and, man, it it was an ex- it was exciting it it was super exciting i mean hunting with your kids is the fishing with your kids it's the best it is it is and my dad always said you know the, the kids they bring you good luck and and i was lucky too when when i was uh hunting in nevada you know my my dad actually uh drew the deer tags in that same area so he was down there the whole time my mom and dad and it was covid so you know i actually got tested before i went down there and and uh well, that was the best place to be. We we're all isolated out in the middle of nowhere. None of us, you know, none of us had to worry about that. And so, 
they helped out a lot and I was able to take Ava. She was there almost the whole time. I think when I took her back, I think it was the 10th. I think it was almost my birthday when I took her back. Uh, so Christy could go see her sister because they had to evacuate her house, but she was with me for, you know, we were down there for three weeks and just had a hoot, man. It was, it was a good time. That's for sure. Lucky to have family that sure. helps us out there. That's awesome. Yeah, it's, uh, I'm looking forward to watching Ava grow up. She's going to be one heck of an outdoors woman for sure. I hope so, man. Pretty I know cool. Every, every guy I know that has kids, has girls, are like, yeah, they're girls. And she is, but I hope she's still, still into it. She's always up for an adventure, that's for sure. So thankful. Yeah. Yeah, she's definitely tough. Yeah, that's my sure. daughter. She always wants to be right in there, even if it's just, you know, us, Kate and I taking our bows out to see what Sadie's barking at, you know, down on the other side of the creek in the dark. But she's always right there, like, I'll grab the flashlight, you know. She she leaves yeah. her bow back at home, but, uh, and I'm not going to, like, you know, tell her to grab her bow, too, if she doesn't want to. But she's yeah. always right in, has to be part of it, you know, yeah. up for the adventure. Well, and the, the the hard part is, I think, for me, is... I always, you know, go, 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 and it's, and it's, you just gotta be careful, I think, not going too hard. Yeah. I, I, my, my brother's, my brother's got hounds and he runs bobcats here and, and, uh, you know, he's, we've been talking the last several years of going down, you know, we need to go down to Nevada and hunt some lions, you know, and, and I'm think I almost yeah. did it. We almost did it a few weeks ago, but I, I think I'm gonna do it in February. Like, you know what? Screw it. She's, she'll be six. <laughs> She's ready for ready for a week long lion hunt. That you know, yeah, you, you, you should be fine. You do have, I don't know. Yeah, you do have to be uh, careful. I mean, I, I know with mine, you know, I'll be like, yeah, I tell my boss like last night, me and Alexa rode her bike six miles behind this gate, and it was raining, and she, she loved it. It was awesome. And then I'm like, now she doesn't want to go anymore. And he's like, well, it's probably because you took her six miles behind a yeah. gate and yeah. got her so. He's like, you got to find some balance there, man. And I'm like, well, she was loving it when she was doing it. And I'm like, yeah, but yeah, yeah there's a yeah, there's a there's a part where that you know you you want to teach them that you know you got to earn it, and that's what I would always tell her when we we're shed hunting because on all the all the million days we spent shed hunting, we found one deer shed <laughs> this this spring cool. and. So, hey, who's ready to be a full-time bow hunter? Yeah, yeah. And, and that is absolutely, I usually am really good at finding sheds, but we were, we were, I, I couldn't go in the places I used to go, which is the jungle. So I was going to the other side of the mountain, you know, and where I could hike and carry her, you know, cause even though she's five, I was packing her the whole damn time, which for me, I was like, this is awesome. I'm getting a good workout. You know, I got 60 pounds on my back and I'm, I'm getting exercise and shoot my bow. And I was able to do about three miles a day, you know, some days a little less, some days a little more. And man, you think we would have found some more sheds, but, but when we finally found that one, she's like, yeah, you know, we earned it. You know, I remember her saying that several times. I'm like, yeah. But then after a while, you know, and you don't find any, they're like, Let's not go shed hunting anymore, Dad. Let's go fishing. Like, okay, that's fine. Got to be okay with that, I guess. Well, yeah, I mean, for sure. So, 2020 wasn't all that bad, really. I mean, we got we got some traditional uh, opportunity added to our uh, 
synopsis again. I mean, little little wins um, are uh, we'll take them, you know, one at a time, I suppose. Yeah, and an, and a, another win, which you know I think's a win, and I, you know, we'll see what the future holds, but they did control the deer hunting in Eastern Oregon for archery last year, and they were trying to do the elk also, and we got them to put it off for another year at least, you know, so we're going to start having the meetings on that. And, you know, thanks to the traditional archers of Oregon and, you know, Wayne Endicott and OHA, you know, we had several meetings with ODFW and they, they listened to us and hopefully we can come up with some better ideas and, Cause man, we're we're losing we're losing opportunity. Bow hunters are. I mean, the Idaho just started limiting their non-resident. Basically, you know, they did quotas per per zone or however they do it. And there's a lot of guys that aren't happy there because you know they've been going to Idaho elk hunting or deer hunting every year, and it was a mess. You had to get on the line. I think it was December first, and you know a lot of guys didn't get to go. So. Yeah, hopefully we can come up with some something here to save us from going all controlled because they sure do want to do it. So I know that's kind of the future, yep. but hopefully we we're going to definitely make a difference. Yeah, working with uh, our working with traditional archers of Oregon, and you know uh, Riley Savage has been kicking butt, taking names. That's our president, and we got to thank him and everybody involved. And so we got another year of politicking and whatnot on that front. Um, I know you guys think that trad quest is a, like, like we don't even do podcasts anymore, but we, we rewrote a list. We got a list of, uh, of interviews we want to do. So, and that's what we did um, at the beginning. We're so we're, we're, uh, yeah, we got a list. That's a big deal for us, James. Yeah, we got a list. So <laughs> we got a list and we've actually, talk to some of these people on the list and, and we've got some, uh, thumbs up. So, uh, I think we got, we're going to get some, try to gather, capture a little bit more of this history for you guys. Cause there is still, uh, some really good information out there that I think needs to be recorded and, and shared. And we're going to, we're going to work on that. And, um, we'd still somehow have a, couple handfuls of patreon supporters supporting our uh our movement here so we should thank those guys uh, and gals we really appreciate you guys uh sticking uh with us we haven't i guess just haven't been very motivated to make content in 2020 but i think we're going to change that in 2021 we've got some plans to uh make doing podcasts a little easier so uh yeah that's kind of and what we got, and why don't we, uh, why we got Carson on the spot, we talked Carson into giving some shafts away to, uh, our, uh, supporters. What do you think, Carson? Hey, uh, that 15% <laughs> off, uh, discount still stands. Um, I think you guys have sent out that discount code to your Patreon members in the past, but maybe you want to send that out again to your, your email list for your Patreon donors, uh, 15% off for, you guys supporters, uh, for Sherwood Shaft. And, uh, yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll throw a couple dozens, uh, however you guys want to do it. Let's just, let's just figure you got, uh, 
Yeah, I don't know. Should we make somebody make them up in the first air rolls or? I hadn't thought about this. Me and Bob, Bob can, uh, Bob, Bob can just, me and Bob can just grab a couple of our guys, uh, uh supporters names. We'll do a, a, a raffle, uh, and send out a couple, do- uh, a dozen to each one. We don't have to do it here on the air. We'll yeah. I'll, I'll throw something down either. Make it a choice, you know, like, uh, I'll talk to, I'll talk to some of the arrow makers I know and, uh, see what they'll do. And then, uh, maybe we'll throw out the option for the winner to choose between, uh, you know, say two or three dozens of a given spine versus a finished dozen arrows or something like that. How about that? Sounds awesome. good. All right. Awesome. Well, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll get that out to those guys. And Yeah, I'm glad to hear you guys are back at it. I'll, I'll have something to say to all those guys that asked me what the hell happened to Bob and James. So, <laughs> uh, hey, it's a lot of work, man. So, and we appreciate I, oh, all, I know. Of, all of the other podcasts that have been putting out content every week man thank those guys so i guess james and i didn't yeah, feel as definitely. obligated to have to do it every week because there's a lot of them out there which is a good thing and uh gave us a little breathing room which was was a good thing too so yeah yeah it, definitely and everybody does kind of has their own take on it and and um there's definitely been some really good content that's been put out over 2020 and and uh hopefully uh our twist uh, on it we'll uh, get back uh, on our horse and see what we can put out yeah yeah frosty before the sun comes up the geese are on the wing the deer are fat and happy no they don't suspect a thing I can't take it any longer I've got to breathe some air the only cure for what I've I've got Nimrod neurosis, longbows on the brain. I'm an outdoor junkie through and through, hunts my middle name. My eyes are on the target, broadheads all quite true. Can't wait till I can get outside so I can.